This is chapter 9 of You Are Not Alone. Death is patient. I'm the reason you sick ones pray to God as they lie there still. I'm the reason they cry out because I kill. Happy 4th of July. Also, hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone, a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and run a deeply personal horror game for that single person. Before I talk about this week's episode, I need to get a little housekeeping out of the way. If you like what you hear, it would mean the world to me if you share it with one of your spooky friends. Also, the podcatcher you listen to allows ratings or reviews that goes a long way to helping new listeners find the spooky stories that we're telling here. If you want to help out with the costs of hosting and producing, you are not alone. I have a Patreon. It's over at patreon.com slash Blaine C. Martin, B-L-A-I-N-E-C-M-A-R-T-I-N, all one word. Even a dollar a month goes a long way to help with the expenses of running a podcast. If you're already backing, thank you so much. Really means a lot to me. Finally, if you want to recommend a game, be a guest on the show, or just say hi, you can find me on Twitter at EsmeraldaPod. Since Refugees of Esmeralda is going on hiatus, my Twitter handle might change sometime soon. I'll be sure to let you know. Or email me at blaine at youarenotalonepod.com. This week, I have a good friend and great player, Chris Zumsky, joining me to play Casketlands by Marie Enger. Casketlands was part of the RPG Zine Quest Kickstarter event a few months ago, and the alpha version just came out. Marie has created a really awesome game full of surreal horror in the dusty Old West. If you are a fan of games like Deadlands or Dogs in the Vineyard, this game is for you. It's powered by the Apocalypse game, where you play survivors in a part of the desert cut off by a giant wall of caskets. These characters aren't heroic as much as they are just people stuck in an awful situation, trying not to get killed by bandits, dehydration, or the awful collection of monsters that wander the desert. The moves are evocative and interesting, and it plays so smoothly already, and it's only in alpha. I really recommend you pick it up and bring it to your table. So let's dive in, shall we? So this week, to play, I have a voice that, if you listen to any of my other podcasts, probably sounds pretty familiar. One Chris Zumsky. Why, hello, fans of Blaine, and well, not me. I'm, I'm still too new. Everyone's a fan of Chris. Well, especially Chris. So, how are you doing, Chris? Well, it is a wonderful Thursday night. It is pouring rain outside, setting a nice, like, little ambiance. Despite the fact that we're going to be in a desert. Yeah, so. yeah. We got a little bit of rain. We got a little bit soaked on our way home from dinner. Mm-hmm. But we are here. And relatively dry. So you had a little bit of a chance to look over the game. What do you think so far? It is basically a stripped down version of Deadlands, or at least that's the closest I can, at least thematically. Yeah, it has a a very Deadlands feel to it. It's that weird West, kind of Western horror hybrid. Which Uh, I, I love, and there's just not enough of it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, don't. They kind of got the weird West and Chicka Chicka Wild Wild Wests with <laughs> Jim West, Will Smith. No. Yeah, they did. And it, I that guess. movie was a horror, but in not in the intentional different, way. Different, different type of horror. Different type of horror. It's still existential horror, definitely. But. Oh God, yeah, but uh, just what the movie industry can do to. Oh, it's a shame. There was yeah. so much potential yes. for a cool steampunk horror mm-hmm. movie based on an awesome old television show, and they just drugged that one through the mud. Correct. So since then, America has been yearning, desiring. I mean, I love the resurgence of Western nowadays going on. Yeah, and we've gotten very lucky as far as Westerns go. Like, we are in a, a definite heyday, new heyday of Westerns. Yes, a renaissance, if you will. And I mean, I guess there's a little bit of horror Western, some horror motifs in Western with stuff like The Hateful Eight. Yes, The Hateful Eight was a good one, just cabin locked in the woods. Yeah, I mean, when I read the description of that and it was Quentin Tarantino wants to remake the thing, but as a Western, I was like, fuck yes. Give me that right now. Can I give him money? Oh, he's not kickstarting this. Oh, good. And then did you watch The Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Yes. The, uh, The last sequence of that. I describe as like a perfect low key Deadlands yeah, scenario. I just, I just, I, to be quite all the scenarios, like hell, just the OG Buster Scruggs getting shot in the head. That was so good. I like, and that whole story kept me on like the seat of my pants because I expected when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, he's going to be a real bad cowboy. Like he's not going to be good yeah. at cowboying. And then that first shootout, he just fucking obliterates everyone. I was like, oh no, he's like a real good cowboy. Yeah, yeah, he is a badass and then just gets smoked. Yeah, there's always someone a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And just the, the the fact that it kind of just I like that you're on the edge of your seat because that establishes for the rest of the movie you don't know what's going to happen. Nobody has plot armor. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just every one of those segments and like I probably have a hierarchy if I had to list them but every one was really good. And that's why I've been pretty much begging to play any kind of Western RPG. And still, over the past year I've known you, has not happened yeah, until we haven't tonight. Gotten, yeah, we, we tried Deadlands at SNS and it drug out. Yeah, well, it's the same thing like Call Cthulhu. That happened. Yeah. I was involved with that. Partially our faults <laughs> for it dragging out the way it yeah. did. Yeah. Deadlands and Call of Cthulhu are directly responsible for us starting to put party caps. On our role-playing games, because before it was just like, whoever shows up can play in the RPG. And so for both Deadlands and Call of Cthulhu, we ended up with like seven to nine people in the party. And it just, what was supposed to be a one-shot ended up taking three sessions. Yes, and it could have probably went longer if... We finally reined ourselves in session three to be like, all right, this needs to be fucking over. Well, I just bought Dynamite as a character and just blew everything up. Yeah, it worked. That seems to be the modus operandi I have when, oh, we need this RPG to to end? Okay. First time was Dynamite. Then I had the killer emus. Yeah, and and uh, the Pot of Love. And then the other uh, passiones that you weren't involved with that I was running myself, I just basically had a dance floor massacre because I had so many NPCs, I just started killing myself off. Perfect. Yeah, and that's that's a way to do it. Uh, notice when we, we beef, beefed up your character a little bit. Yeah. Dino, TNT is an option in the book. 
didn't, no. didn't give it to you. No, no. I, the You were very gracious in the uh, couple extra pluses you gave me, just because with the character I picked, I feel a little fragile regardless. Yeah, you are uh, are definitely not the beefiest of boys normally. Well, unless I roll odds on every die I roll to attack, then I will be an unstoppable monster. It's true. So, that's a good segue into you are playing the gambler. Mm-hmm. And the gambler gambles a little bit with everything? Specifically with his own life and the life of the people he's fighting. Yes. Uh, so, why don't you give us a rundown of your two abilities? The first one is the 50-50. Now, with the 50-50, unlike most other attacks, I roll a single d6. And in this case, the 1 through 6 has been designated a specific action. If I roll a 1, I can harm the thing I'm attacking for a plus 2, close and loud. 2, it's the exact opposite where I'm harming myself. And it basically goes down that route where... Three is a harm, four is a self-harm, so on and so forth. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it is a 50-50, so you don't have to roll to hit like normal attacks, but you have a 50% chance of doing something really good, or a 50% chance of just fucking yourself. Now, do you want me to narrate in flavor text when I either hurt myself or hurt the other? Oh, God, yes. Okay, all right. Just, just want to make sure. I didn't want to take it's take away that that pleasure. Oh no, you, you okay. uh, if ever I want to do that, I have the chart here and I will okay. I will roll randomly for you. Okay. Okay. So then your other ability is also a gamble. Yes. In the cards. So basically I'm taking 2d6. I designate one for myself, one for whoever I'm attacking, and I roll them both. High die gets a plus 1 on whatever actions they're taking against me. Where I take against them. Yeah, so since this is a Powered by the Apocalypse game and I don't actually roll any dice, it'll essentially mean if the enemy gets it, you'll be at a minus one. But if you get it, you'll be at a plus one. Excellent. So yeah, so it's an interesting class. You uh, you gamble very heavily and it gives you the potential to do some really awesome things or just destroy yourself. Some terrible things to myself. It'll be awesome regardless. Whether it's awesome for me or awesome for the people I'm fighting, yeah, we'll figure it out. So, I am afraid to ask this question. What's your character's name? Well, sir, it's Barry. Dr. Barry. No, I don't use the title doctor anymore. I developed a bit of a habit, you see. I went to one of them floating casinos in the Mississippi. And uh, I discovered the love of cards and dice. And it just spoke to my soul. And let's just say, uh, spent a bit too much money. And I kind of had to flee the state, if you will. Had to remove myself, extricate, and had to go further out into the desert to uh, start a new life. And then you got surrounded by a wall of caskets and you can't leave. Yeah, that's, uh, that just seems to be a theme since I started this little, uh, I wouldn't call it an addiction. It's more of a habit. This good. habit of mine is just drawing me down a road that I was not expecting. Good, good, good. So we open on a camera shot 
that moves through a dusty one-road town and stops on the Fool's Gold Saloon. And the camera pans through the doors, pans around. We see a kind of makeshift bar, a couple of sheets of plywood propped up on some sawhorses. But it's good enough to serve whiskey and beer. And the camera turns and we see a card game in action. Tell us what Dr. Barry looks like. Well, Barry, he is a excessively slim man. Fine, delicate hands. Used to doing surgery, but has found much better at dealing cards. Sickly pallor. Long, black hair. And a fine, pencil mustache. He is just a gentleman. Of course he is. The most well-dressed individual in this entire town. Mostly because... He's taken the money from most of the people in the town to afford such eccentricities like clean clothing. Excellent. So sitting at the table with you is Matthias. Matthias is a a younger gentleman, uh, maybe in his mid-twenties. His father is relatively wealthy, so Matthias is taken to really just basically just drinking and playing cards. There's, There's Wilma who's a waitress at this bar on busy nights, and Stanley, the undertaker. So you're playing through a few rounds of cards. Why don't you give me... You want me to do a creep roll? Because I got a plus three in that right now. (laughs) Yeah, give me a creep, because I imagine that there's something about the unnatural way you handle cards that makes you better at cards than other folks. That'll be a 12, sir. The cards move like oil through water, just cutting up and down over one another, kind of mesmerizing. All right. And all three, uh, with a 12, all, all three of the people playing with you are mesmerized by the way that the cards move fluidly from one hand to the other. And you, handily, no pun intended, win that round. And as you're about to shuffle for the next round, there's this awful sound from outside of the Fool's Cold Saloon. That's something like a human and something like an awful bird from hell. It is a screech that at first you think it's entirely unnatural. And then your mind moves to, well, maybe it's a bird. And then for a second, you're like, is that a a person? And you don't know. It's kind of all three at once. What do you do? Well, lady and gentlemen, sounds like we might have an issue here. I'm going to uh, go take a look and see what that... uh, disturbances, because to be quite honest, I can't concentrate when people are being so rude. You run out of the Fool's Gold Saloon. Matthias, Wilma, and Stanley seem to have zero interest in going to see what that awful sound was. So they stay firmly planted in their seats. But you run out, and you look 
in the direction that you think the sound is coming from, which is the center of town. And you see, circling around the well at the center of town, are these three creatures that have bodies of vultures, but the heads of women. And they are making this awful screeching sound. And they circle around and they circle around. And as you come out, you see two of them settle on the lip of the well, while the other flies into the well itself. Well, if it isn't, harpies. As I say this, I pull out my six-shooter, cock it back. I'm going to fire around at the leftmost harpy. All right. But as I'm doing this, I still have two cards in my hand. And I toss them up in the air. And as they land down, I'm doing into the cards. All right. That was me. That was it. All right. So you you got a two on yours and a one on theirs. So you are going to uh, get a plus one for the rest of this encounter. All right. Now I'm taking a. I'm using my six shooter, which is brawn, because that's yep. an attack, and I'm not using my. You're not going to fifty fifty right <laughs> out the gate. Listen, I already used my one special power. Eek. Even with that, it's a six. So that is a failure. That is. Don't hurt me too bad. Well, since you're at a distance, I'm not going to say you're not going to take any harm from that. Okay. But I do think that your gun jams. So you aim a beautiful shot at that harpy on the left. And you pull the trigger. and You have so much faith. Because you know that it's in the cards for you to win this. And you pull the trigger and there's a click. And you don't know what happened. But you're certainly going to have to clean your gun before it's going to fire again. Well, that's what I get for using the gun I wanted a card game. Holster that. Alright. You see a few other people. The sheriff has entered out of uh, his office. And a few gentlemen you recognize as... So, like, you're cut off from the outside world by this wall of caskets, but there are a few villages in your circle of caskets. So there is still some need for caravans, but there are outlaws. So you recognize two men as guards for the caravan that recently came into town. And they have all run out with rifles and pistols. Well, I want to start moving toward the harpies because basically the only thing I got left is either knives or I got a couple of tricks on us to say the least. Alright, so you you get closer and one of the harpies seems to notice you at that point. And they laugh. They have it's cold and evil, but it is a very human laugh. Which is unsettling. I mean, it's a it's a bird with a human head, which is pretty fucking unsettling. But then the fact that its laugh is so human kind of sends chills down your spine. What do you do? Well, I got my walking staff. I want to take a swing at that ugly duckman and just 
bash it off the will. All right, give me a roll. I am rolling terrible. Another six. That'll be another six. Uh, so do to me what you will. All right, so you swing wide and wild with your walking stick. And the harpy that you swung at just kind of hops up and takes flight. And it slashes you across the face with its talons for one harm. Be a peach if you didn't. All right. The attack is intimate, too, if that makes any difference to you. To me personally, no. To Barry, to Barry, to Barry, he is, uh, I'm not upset because this is a new vest I have on. I specifically got it off that one gentleman who didn't need it anymore. The Undertaker was more than willing to uh, pass it along for an extra gold. Because, I mean, once you put them in the ground, it doesn't matter how nice they look. It's true. All right. Uh, so the two harpies that aren't in the well itself, the second one also takes flight. And they fly up relatively high and uh, prepare to dive bomb at you. What are you going to do to try and avoid this attack? Well, in the world of Casket Land, I believe this is called Shield, correct? Yes, there's a shield move, which lets you kind of try and protect yourself. Like, dodge, basically. Yeah. I can't, I have no ranged attack right now, unless, unless, mm, I think we're going to give a, I just can't help myself. You're going to 50-50 it? Barry takes out his lucky coin that he got. First winnings he ever had on that steamboat. And... Most he ever wanted one sitting. All right. He looks at that harpy that slashed him. You dumb bird. <laughs> and as I grip the air in front of me and say, you dumb bird, I snap the air. And then I feel my rib break inside of me. It claps to my knees. In exquisite pain. I have a feeling there's going to be a new character soon. (laughs) You let out just this awful, awful scream as the ribs inside of you crack and bend and break. So that was a six, which is bend, which is the worst possible 50-50 result. Just pretty much my gnome to blow off of this game, sir. So you take two harm, and you are now unstable. Yeah, I'm pretty much boned. Which ain't great. I haven't left town yet. I've so far jammed a gun, got swiped, and then gone down and hurt myself. Yeah, it's not great. Hey, I won that hand of cards. <laughs> you did. You won that hand of cards real fucking good. <sighs> uh, so. You uh, double over in pain, and as birds swoop down, there are gunshots from around you as some of the other folks around you take shots. And the harpy that you haven't, the harpy that you didn't try to smack with your stick and then 50-50, 
explodes in a shower of feathers and squawks and kind of flies back up into the air. But the other one kind of loops around and is coming back at you. Of course it is. Well, fuck it. Take my lucky coin, give it a old flip. There you go. And as it comes screeching in, my hand, I raise up into the sky and make a quick swiping gesture. And three large gashes appear over the eyes of the enemy. It can now cause one less harm when attacking throughout the rest of this encounter. Yeah, and it takes it takes some harm as well. Two harm. It these scratches fly up across its body, and it lets out this awful human scream, and kind of retreats away from you, not wanting to fuck with you after you just, with your mind, slash the shit out of it. You have a have a. Faint glimmer of, of memory that there were three of these, and the one that's in the well has not come back up yet. But what could go wrong with that? There are still two up here, though. One that is trying to keep away from you is going to fly towards the sheriff. But the other one is going to come back at you. Point of question. Can I, yes. like, ready in action as it comes at me, I can attack it? Kind of thing, or yeah. I mean, we're just describing. There's All not right. really initiative or readying. All right, so, so if you want to just swing at it, while I, I got that walking stick, and when it comes within close proximity, I'm just going to give it the old bop in the head. All right, give me a roll. Fuck your dice. Quite, quite bad that I'm going to hit myself in the face with the staff or something. I think describe describe to me how I fuck up. <laughs> So you, so the harpy descends upon you, and uh, you are ready to take this swing at it, and you swing so hard at the place you know the harpy is going to be. This is a, a flying creature, and so when your stick gets to where you think the harpy is going to be, it isn't there. You kind of overextend yourself and fall to the ground as the harpy descends upon you, running its claws down the back of your head. You're going to take one harm. Ow. That hurt. (laughs) You hear some more gunshots, and you hear the harpy that you uh, scratched with your 50-50 let out a squawk. And then it slams into the ground. I did that. That was me. You're welcome. So you're on the ground. There's a little bit of blood came out when I coughed there. You're hurting a little bit, but you're still more or less up. Mm, that's one way to describe it. You're conscious. I think I got a floating rib. What are you, uh, you going to do? Well, it doesn't seem like I want to do much, but... uh. Odds of forever, to be quite honest, my normal attacks have been uh, pretty shit. The creep, uh, ironically, the 50-50 has been exactly 50-50 at this point. Yeah. So I want to look at that last harpy and I'll be like, whip out my lucky coin and hope for the best. 
And I fuck myself up. Not as bad as it could have been. No, it's not the worst of the... All of a sudden, it goes dark. And I'm in a casket. I can feel the earth around me. I'm deep underground. And I cannot move for the remainder of my round. And I take one arm. I just love hurting myself, barely. Where are you at in the harm? That is... I'm at the unstable level. Well, you're already unstable because of that. Yeah, well, I mean, like... You're officially... Yeah, like, I'm unstable times two, if that was a thing. But, like, I got the two plus the one. Like, I am three rounds from death in your first encounter. I had a feeling this gambler was going to be, uh... Yeah, it's uh, it's something. All right. And then the snake oil salesman comes out <laughs> of the... I'll pick up his... This is the Buster Scruggs of, uh, yeah. of our story. And then we'll follow the real main character, which we'll be creating in a few minutes. So you uh, collapse, convinced that you're buried underground, unable to move. And the harpy descends upon you and gouges you for another point of harm. Give me a backbone roll. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. That's a seven plus one, eight. All right. So that's a a middling thing. So what I'm going to say is you hear some more gunshots. That sounds so distant because you are convinced that you are underground. And then you fall into sweet, sweet unconsciousness. Oh. Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. And the pain, at least for a moment, is gone. Yeah, those float ribs are son of a bitch. And then you wake up to the searing, awful pain of your ribs being set as best they can. Taping them. You're just wrapping some... Yeah. Some... Some uh, being bound back into place. Yes. And your wounds being worked on. And you wake up and fall unconscious again. And wake up and fall unconscious again. Multiple times throughout the process. I have a feeling the DM is going to be very nice to, to hold Barry here. <laughs> but eventually you wake up and you're no longer unstable. You've healed three of the harm that you've taken. I got a whole fucking story for Barry here. Yeah, yeah, you better be kind to him. He doesn't get to escape this hell. Well, you better be real gentle with him because he's like a fine porcelain doll right now. You give him two cure-alls. What does that, that do? Add an extra plus two to vitality? Yeah, let's heal two. Um, okay, I think I'm going to immediately wake up and drink one of them. All right. Because F it. Then that'll bring me back to full life. There you go. You like are. I just can get my shit pushed in by a bunch of harpies. You are uh, conscious and at zero harm. That's mostly good. We'll just call it the cure all. It's just a bottle of bottle of old tombstone whiskey. That just fits the. It does. Just it's fits the, the ambiance of this. Fine town and shithole fucking county, apparently. So when you wake up 
and finally kind of come to get your bearings. Look around and you see that the sheriff is sitting in the room with you. What is the sheriff's name? Oh, that's a uh, Sheriff Quentin. Sheriff Quentin's a tall man. Not lanky like you, though. He is a lot of brawn. He is a big man in addition to being a tall man. He's sitting there with his feet feet kicked up on the table. And he sees you start to rustle. And he waits for you to finish your cure-all. To get a little bit more right. He says, Barry. Quinn. How you, how you feeling? Well, whatever, uh, stitch, whatever, nurse, or what'd you get the seamstress to take care of me? Uh, they did a half decent job. Ribs to floating a bit, but bonding's working quite well. That was, that was Stanley. Ah. He's got a, a way with a needle. Uh, remind me to buy him a drink later. Mm. Or I, two. I, I would. But we seem to have a bit of a problem. Stanley's dead. How? number what? of other folks are dead. Didn't you just say Stanley uh, patched me up? He did. And then he drank some water from the well. And apparently those goddamn harpies poisoned the well water. Okay. Few that other is. folks around town also drank from the well. They're dead as well. That is a disturbing trend of events. Uh, it is not ideal. Yes. I mean, we really do. I mean, like an undertaker is pretty much like the most employable person in this hellhole. It's true. He would have had a lot of business, too. Oh, he did? I mean, how's his, uh, how's his under undertaker? Not as good, but she'll do. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna guess that the only reason we're alive is because we don't sustain ourselves on something so weak as water. I mean... That's part of it. The whiskey definitely, uh... Yes, it's still pure. Not poisoned, as far as I can tell. Well, lightly poisoned, like all whiskey. (laughs) So, uh, I wouldn't be here if it weren't of some import for me to talk to you. I'd imagine so. All the dead people would probably normally be taking up most of your time. We... We need a new will. And despite this last showing, I know you know how to handle yourself. Yeah, I had a run of bad luck. I should have. Every gambler does. Let's just uh, pray the dice roll a different way. Maybe I should use my loaded dice next time, now that I remember that's a thing <laughs> in this universe. Now, the fact that I have fucking three of them in my pocket. Yeah, that, uh, any way you can bend fate to your will. So I don't accidentally break myself in half next time. So I have a plan. And you're just about, God help me, the only person I trust. 
to possibly see it through. Well, Quentin, hit me. What you got? We, uh, like I said, we need a new whale. And we're going to need a U-Wand to uh, suss out where that well could be. I'm now, bear with me. This is going to be a weird one. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's not at the general store. Otherwise, this mm. conversation wouldn't be happening. You are correct. So, again, bear with me. This is going to be a little, a little odd. But rumor has it. There's a tree that grows out by the wall. It's a pale tree. And legend says that any well dug discerned by that there wand don't whatever run dry. And you know, I, I ain't a man that puts much stake in tall tales that ain't in the Bible. Mm. But I figure you're going to have to go out and find a wand anyway. Why not get it from that tree? Increase all the odds in just success. If it if it's just a regular old fucking wand, if the stories are aren't true, it's a wand finds us our finds us our new well. The stories are true. Finds us a real good fucking whale. Well, seeing as the other whale's filled with fucking harpy shit, I guess I'll, uh, well, what little bit of water I got on myself, I'll make shit. I'm as good as that condition as I'm gonna be. I appreciate it. I'd, I'd join you, but. I got got a few things to take care of here. I don't know who else might have drank from the well. I imagine we're going to find a couple more corpses before this day is up. Well, you hold down the town. And seeing as I got most of my money invested in this area, it only behooved me to uh, make sure we take care of it. Maybe this time put like a screen or something on the top of the whale. Or one of those things with all the like little spiky things around the edge so the flying things stop fucking perching on it. Yeah, I suppose either either one of those is a good first step. Thank you, Barry. I uh I really do appreciate this. And well, make sure you're well paid when you get back. I I was only going to assume so, Sheriff you Taking care of me since I moved in here. I appreciate it. What does Barry's horse look like? But Barry has a horse? Yeah, we'll see. Mm. Barry has a horse. It's a, it was a fine dappled mare when he first got her, but she, she's looking a little uh, ragged because, let's be honest, these casket lands just aren't kind to anybody. Granted, I got enough money to make sure she's fed and coats brushed shiny and nice, but so she's looking as good as she could be for being a little she's bit the best looking. Side. She's the best looking horse here, but that's not saying much because this place is hard. That is very true. What's your name? Mm. Sarah. So we see a wide shot 
of the town in a Barry riding Sarah out. And it cuts to a few hours later. The trail is long and dusty and hot. The sun during the day just beats down mercilessly. What trees dot the road are dead things. Split and ugly. And the camera comes closer. And we see Barry sweating. And we see Sarah covered in dust. And you see up ahead in the ditch a body. And you think as you're getting closer, it's dead. It's gotta be. And then it twitches. What do you do? I wanna get old SJ off to the further side of the road from said corpse. Well, slide my revolver out of its holster and cock it back. Prepared in case it's one of those strange and unusual things I've ran across in this area. Or if there's just some rattlesnakes underneath, then I'm just going to stay wide of it. It coughs and sputters, and it's an unhealthy-sounding cough. And it says, is, is someone there? Well, yes, sir. What can I do for you? Oh, thank the Lord. Um, I'm hurting real bad. I need, I need some water. God help me, I need some water. Do you have any extra on you, mister? Well, I do have enough water for myself. I I am on a mission of kind of dire importance, oh. but you, sir, are in a more uh, dire need. My good old oh. friend, Hippocrates, would, uh, Probably beat the shit out of me if I didn't do the right thing here. I'll give you. I could give you the whole world. I guess. More rightly, my my sister could. You could just spare some water. You, your sister could give me the whole world. I'm a little. That seems kind of out of. Are you just delirious with dehydration? What do you mean? You'll meet her. You'll meet her. I swear. She'll give you whatever you want. I just need some water. <sighs> I can't. Restraint. Listen, I'll give you a drink of water. The town is not too far from here. I would recommend not drinking the water from the well. But I'm sure there's some folks in there that could spare you to make sure you can make it through the day. Thank you, mister. And I will give him one of my three drinks of water out of my canteen. As you approach, he is an awful sight to behold. His skin is dried and cracked, and there's like little rivulets of blood running down from the cracks in the skin. His eyes are wide and bloodshot. He's got this just thick black tongue. It's waggling in the open socket of his mouth as you approach. He says, thank you, Mr. I need it. I need water so bad. 
Well, I take my little, uh, open up my canteen, pour it in the little cup I got, put the canteen back away, and then I just kind of extend my arm out, and part of me is kind of still got the other hand on the holster. He reaches out, and the skin all over his hands and arms is cracked in the same way, and there's just smears of blood. I gotta ask, um, I've seen dehydration before. Uh, what might you be suffering from? I got, I got jumped by, by some bandits and they left me out here. I think it's, I think it's sun poisoning. Yeah, you, uh, you need to take this water right now and then, uh, just keep following this road. I just left town just earlier today. You can make it, especially wait till the sun goes down. Oh, thank you, mister. He takes the cup and he drinks some of the water. And he just starts, he's coughing. These, like, massive coughs mixed with dry heaves. And he kind of, he kind of tries to sit up a little bit. And he coughs and he rolls over. And he's on his hands and knees, and he begins just vomiting this thick, sickly black substance. Well, and he coughs and he coughs and he throws it up, and he says one last time, "Thank, thank you, Mister." And he turns to dust right before your eyes. Catches on the faint breeze as it blows by. Well, that is mildly upsetting. Uh, just remember that. Let the wind carry you toward the town. I don't think you're going to come back from that one. Oh shit! Uh, is my cup okay? I guess it's going to need a washing. Yeah, I'm just going to. I'm gonna pick up like two really dry sticks and just kind of like I'm just I would just kind of roll it around in the dirt a little bit to get all the clumps of black and stuff off and kind of you know sand sand wash it. I think that's a thing I read in the, that Dune novel. It's it's something. It's not wasting water. Yeah. Uh, the, you know what? The desert can have this one. Black acre. It smells real bad. Yeah, I'm just going to back away from that nice and slow, keeping an eye on it, because God knows if that shit is sentient. <laughs> and then I'm going to get on, get on old SJ and continue down the road. All right, you mount up and you continue down the road. You travel for a few more hours, and it's getting... Getting on into evening. Do you want to try to ride through the night? Are you going to make camp? Oh. Well. You tend to want to travel at night. To lessen sun exposure. I do want to push on somehow. Do I. Out of character. Do I know. Approximately how long it takes you to get to the border of the casket lands. Probably about two days. 
Okay, so I'm, I'm one day through. I'm running short on water already, aren't I? So you have essentially nine doses of water. Okay. Three so times a day for three days. Well, I got eight doses. So eight because you gave one to the gentleman. Yes. Five because you drank the three for today. Correct. So you have enough for, enough for another day and two thirds. Okay. Well, I guess I'll settle down for the night because I'm going to need rest regardless. But I'll uh, make sure it's going to be a short one. I'm going to wake up before the sun comes up so I can get a head start before it gets too hot out. All right. You know um, that there is another town between your town and the casket wall. Oh. You don't know what the water is like there, but... Well, uh, maybe uh, if even if the water might be bad, I can potentially purchase some from somebody else. I do yeah. have some gold rattling around. Um, so you think you'll probably get there about midday tomorrow? Well, then if, I, if that's the case, then yes, I'll make sure I take a rest tonight. Okay. So you rest. You wake up before the sun rises. And already when you wake up, there's a kind of hint of red to the sky. Clouds, what little clouds you can see with the the moon, have just the the slightest reddish tint to them. This is the only time of day that this place is beautiful. Can you get back on SJ, drink some water, you eat some hard tack, and you start moving again. And as the sun rises, the sky gets redder and redder. And by the time that you can see on the horizon the small town that's between you and the wall of caskets, it is a brilliant full red. You're reminded briefly of an old saying they used to have on the riverboats about red skies in the morning, sailors take warning. It's just a brief thought that you have of those days. Before you had to run. Well, my love has been bad so far this week. Let us hope that I'm starting to turn, but that sun is not giving me some, not giving me the good, the good ideas. I'm thinking quite negative, but I must persevere. So you get into the town. Are you going to ride right in? I think as I'm approaching, I'm going to take you know the lay of the land. I'm going to make sure I'm going to make sure that uh, you know that's if there's buzzards circling above it. You know the classic. Mm. There's smoke you know coming out of the no, town. No smoke. No buzzards. No buzzard harpies. Mm, good, good, good. It's a small another one of those one road western towns. No, as I ride in, want to peruse. Is there a bar or a general store? I mean, this is a smaller town, so. So when you first ride in, it's weirdly quiet, even for a small town. Oh shit! For a moment, you think it might be abandoned, but then you see a building that you think is probably a saloon right across the street from a building that looks like it's probably an undertaker's. There's some coffins set out on the front porch. And sitting on the front porch of that undertaker's building is an old man. 
sitting on a chair. Kind of propped against the wall behind him is an old rifle. And the man is just kind of rocking back and forth and smiling. Well, I ride up to the older gentleman. Hail and well met, sir. He smiles a little bit larger. Doesn't say anything. Continues to kind of just rock. Can I uh, assess the situation, which I believe for me is smooth? Yes, you can. It's an eight, so... So that's a mixed success. You think that it might be possible that he's just so old that he's kind of out of it? He doesn't seem threatening to you, but he doesn't respond. He just kind of smiles this wide... I don't want to call it a toothy grin. It'd be toothy if he was about 30 years younger. Uh, but he's only got two or three teeth left. And he just smiles at you. Rocks back and forth. Well, this has been an engaging and an in-depth conversation. I thank you for your time. You hear from inside the saloon a clattering noise and a couple of yells. Well, this is a sound you know right well. Which sounds like a scuffle over a card game. Well, that sounds like uh, some gentlemen are having a disagreement, that, but also someone who might be a little bit more willing to converse. Sir, you have a fine day, and you continue to enjoy your rocking chair, and I head over to said saloon. I'm going to leave Sarah up front, not necessarily tied too tight, just a quick half hitch, and then uh, I want to... Mosey on in. Alright. So you push open the saloon doors and you see exactly what you thought. At least at first it seems to be exactly what you thought. Which is a, a scuffle over someone supposedly cheating at cards. But very quickly you realize that this scuffle is much worse than they normally get. There's a group of five men kind of to the right of the entrance who have taken on each other like feral beasts. They aren't just threatening to shoot. They aren't just swinging fists. They are clawing at each other. One of them has taken a bite out of another's arm. It is a real rough sort of fight. And you, for a moment, as you're kind of assessing this, you take a look back over your shoulder. You see that the old man sitting on the porch... He's grinning even wider now. And he's licking his lips. As you look back into the saloon, the scuffle has expanded out just beyond the gamblers. And now other patrons have begun 
attacking each other. They're clawing at each other's flesh. They're gnawing. One man has taken the bite out of the throat of the bartender. The bartender has grasped his neck and staggered back, and there's blood just falling down over his shirt as the other man just kind of relishes in the flesh that's in his mouth. What do you do? Well, this is mildly disturbing. I haven't seen a fight like this since uh, back in 1889. Oh, shit. Um, so, is out of character. So, I'm assessing is, do it. You know what? Let me assess the situation because uh, I kind of want to see or investigate, I guess, just to see if everybody's going insane or if there's a couple people that are still like normal or. That makes sense. Give, yeah, give me an investigation. Just kind of looking around. That's okay, good. so that's with my smooth uh, nine. So still a mixed success. Yeah. On the high side of a mixed success. So, you don't see anyone in the bar who seems to have man- maintained their composure. Mm. But as you're kind of looking around, both in the saloon and around around the town, you do see a little old chapel. And you see a man that's dressed in the garb of a priest in the window. And he sees you. And he makes a motion for you to come. Well, Tara, that's uh, I'm not mo- I'm not one of them churchy folk, but uh, I'm feeling uh, you know what? Let's see what some hollow ground can do to the situation. Hop on my horse and head on over to the chapel. All right. So it's just it's we'll say two doors down. And then I realize how close it was, and I'm like, wow, I should have just walked you over here. So you you enter into the chapel, and there's a probably middle-aged, late 30s, early 40s man in, in black clothes with a, with a collar. And he says, I, what, did, what did you see? Uh, well, Padre, um, first your flock seems to have gone all wolf on you, and there's not so many sheep at the moment. You're not wrong. A... Uh, why? First question. Second question. Do you have happen to have some uh, just non-tainted water around as the second thing? Because I have a feeling we need to evacuate said town of people that can still have a decent conversation with one another. I, uh... As for the why, I'm not entirely certain. Well, you see, you had that brief inflection at the end of that statement, which hints at the fact that you might have a sneaking suspicion. Did you see the old man? Yeah. Uh, the Undertaker? He, uh, he ain't been right for a while. But he's gotten less and less right over the past couple of months. Tell me, has he been partaking in the devil weed? No, but uh, he just, he used to be a regular churchgoer every Sunday, and he stopped going 
And right around the time he stopped going, every morning the sky turned turned red. Red or has it been getting progressively redder? I don't think it's gotten redder. It's just every morning it's this red. All day it's this red. So if I hypothetically ran him down with my horse and trampled him to death, I I explained what happened in the saloon to him. So he kind of—that sounds—that's happened a few times. Every now and then, it just just randomly, your town just starts violence begets people. Violence begets violence, and then it gets real violent. You uh, have you? Tr- I have no idea how your uh, specific thing works. I'm more of like the anesthetic and stitch people up kind of thing. Isn't there like an exorcism or, you know, granted, water's kind of sparse here, so I wouldn't say splashing with holy water because we might need that for drinking. But. Well, we got, we got some holy water, and an exorcism might work. I just haven't had a hand to help with it. Everyone in this town is tainted. Okay, then. Uh, if you want to help me try, we can try. Hey, it's a new day, and uh, we'll see how the uh, the old hand of fate says. Because, uh, you know, sometimes it goes good, sometimes it goes bad. But, you know, screw it. Let's, I can't. I saw a person eating another person's ear about 30 minutes ago, and that is slightly unsettling. So I want to try and fix that. All right, let's... Uh, Padre, lead the I way. I no, no time is better than the present. Yeah. Uh, let me just go get my supplies. He goes to the altar, and he gets a cross and some holy water and Bible. And y'all head out and cross the street. And there's that old man just rocking. It's important to note, it's not a rocking chair. It's a regular chair. He's just rocking back and forth. And the smile on his face has gotten too big for his face. It almost looks like at any moment, place where his lips meet, will tear. He's licking his lips. And then as soon as the two of you approach closer, his head snaps and looks directly at the two of you. And for the first time, you see a semblance of understanding in his eyes. And he says, What do you think you can do? Well, what I think I can do is magic. And I pull out my trick deck and I start just dealing the cards, just flipping them around in my hand, just trying to mesmerize and just grab the attention of this individual. All right, give me a to roll. Help, to help the priest along. That's a 10, but with my trick deck and my normal, it is 
Let's see, because I put it there, there, and there. That is a 13. That's a real good roll. I had to get lucky sooner or later. He uh, initially is is kind of rambling at you, saying, I've already tasted all their blood. Nothing you can do matters. And then he grows silent, and he just watches as you perform these card tricks. And as he is mesmerized, the priest kind of comes up behind him with the holy water, reaches around, and draws a cross on the old man's forehead. And there's an immediate smell of burning flesh as the skin begins to peel away in the shape of a cross on the man's forehead. And he lets out this awful throaty scream. The priest begins to pray over him. And eventually, the old man begins to slump down. And he kind of comes to for a moment. And you you think that maybe for just this brief moment, you're actually speaking to the old man. And he says, there are two more that you will face. And then he slumps down. You can't tell if he's dead or not. But you think that whatever this was has passed. And almost almost on cue, you hear from the saloon a variety of sounds. Shock, revulsion, vomiting, weeping. The sounds you would expect from a group that had been participating in the awful violence you had seen, only to wake up and realize what they had wrought. Well, Andre, I think your sheep need their shepherd. If I could, I'm not going to ask for any kind of recompense, but if you could potentially provide me some some water, because... My town is in dire need of it, and I'm on a mission to help them. He gives you what holy water is left. I'm going to say because you rolled so well, he needed significantly less of it than normally expected to perform this ritual. So you're going to get two extra servings of water. Okay, so... Uh, just management. So three for, from yesterday. Three from yesterday. Essentially, well, four, four from yesterday. Four from yesterday. What you consume today has been negated because of the two he gave you. Okay. So you have five left. So I have five left. Okay. Well, I mean, I can. I'm I'm going to go over with the Padre just to make sure. I mean, my doctoring skills ain't what they used to be, but I'll see if uh, lend a hand, perhaps. Yeah, you can help patch some folks up. A lot of them are real dead. Mm, the bartender that is throat bitten out, full dead. Oh, what a tragedy! The bottle of bourbon went missing. So yeah, you can you can pocket a bottle of bourbon. I'm not even going to make you roll for that. But you're able to patch up, stitch up a few wounds, patch up a few folks. And we'll say that puts you pretty well into evening. The priest says that you're welcome to stay. He's got a little cottage. He has an extra bed. I still have a day's worth of travel, though. Correct. Uh, about half a day. 
half a day to you. All right. So you got a full day yesterday, and then you got a half a day when you came upon. Then I will, uh, I'll relax here then. All right. So you spend the night, get up relatively early in the morning. He gives you not uh, an extravagant breakfast, but gives you some, like, oatmeal. Some vittles. A couple of eggs. Much obliged, sir. Sarah, it's time to leave. So you get on old SJ and you ride out of town. And you continue on towards the wall. We'll say it's about 10 a.m. You're maybe two or three hours out from the wall. And you see riding towards you, rider on a horse. Is it a pale horse? It's a white horse. Well, that is... I mean, I suppose it's pale. pale yeah, it's, it's pale. the palest pale, it's of the pale. pale. Yeah, it's uh, an unsettling visage to be coming out. Investigator Assess, I guess, will be... I think Assess would probably be your best bet. That's a nine plus my smooth, which is a one, so that's a ten. You actually feel a strange sense of calm when you look at the horse. There's nothing to fear. That's just dandy. Nice to find a fellow traveler. As the horse approaches, again, it's a white horse. It's a real nice horse. It is one of the finest, especially in this area. One of the finest horses you've seen in years. And riding it is a woman. Maybe in her late 20s. Long brown hair. Very pretty, but in a plain kind of riding the roads. She's dressed to ride. She's covered in dust. And when she sees you, she starts to slow down and kind of eyes you cautiously. Well, I make no particularly threatening gesture. I do the old tip of the hat, say, good day, madame. I hope, uh, despite this most terrible of areas you are in, you are at least having a modicum of a good day. Well, thank you. I, uh... My day's been fine. It's it's what it is. She kind of motions to the sun beating down, then motions out to the dust and grime and cracked land. Yes, it is quite a wasteland. I happened to run into a gentleman that said he had a sister. You happen to have a brother that was out here? Oh. Oh, yeah. My brother Esau's. About these parts? You saw Esau? I pray it's not your brother Esau. The gentleman I met was waylaid by bandits, I believe is what he said. He was sunburnt to near death and dehydrated. I gave him some water. And it was peculiar because this whole place is peculiar. And it is. This gentleman, who I did not get a chance to learn his name, was named Esau, was not, I don't know if his name was Esau, but he turned to dust in front of me. 
And seeing as there is not a particular dirge of women in the area, I'm just... I'm on a side, I'm a little main mission here, but I'm just, uh, I pray to God your brother's not the one that did that. When you explain all of that, she actually, she chuckles. And it's a melodic, beautiful laugh. She says, oh, Esau does that from time to time. You don't have to worry over him. Uh, turn to dust? Yeah. It's quick, quicker than walking. Oh, yeah. Well, I did give him proper directions to in the nearest town with the local establishment. Uh, I guess he did do that. I mean, the wind was blowing in the general direction. Um, I, I appreciate it. I imagine knowing Esau, he probably promised something to you. Well, he said you would assist uh, or help me out. But I just, um, listen, I, uh, before I came here, I used to do some healing from time to time, and he was in, or at least appeared to be in a very bad way, and I just could not. He runs his mouth. He gets a lot of people mad at him. Well, he didn't run his mouth at me, and, uh, he was in, he was in a bad way. I wanted to help him out. And currently, I am on a bit of a mission to uh, help out the town I currently live in. Would you like to leave the casket lands? I mean, uh, yeah, that would be awesome, but... uh, I can take you away. You are very kind with that offer, but where would you take me? Wherever you want to go. I can give you the world. Ooh, yeah, that is still kind of vague in its description. Um, Where would you like to go? Sh- Barry? Okay. Um, didn't, didn't tell you my name. You don't have to. Hey, what is you? Pardon me. I have been so rude. What is your name, dear lady? I'm Delilah. Delilah. Pretty name for a pretty lady. Thank you. You're a charmer, Barry. Well, I I kind of have to be at times. Um, I'm a man that, despite errors in my past, I've made promises. I like to keep them. I want to at least help out the town, help out Sheriff Quentin, make sure the people here are doing right. Now, when you say the world, are you, so I can go back to Missouri? If Missouri is where you want to go, honey, we can go wherever. We have to go now, though. Why now? That's what I feel like. Yeah. Um. Sugar. You see, like I said, I have this just one. I don't do many good things. But I have, like, just the one thing that I do, and it's kind of like, if I say I'm doing a thing, I'm going to do it. I mean, you understand that. It's out here, it's, your word is, well, binds you. I suppose. I feel like your word is just, it's what turns you to dust. 
like old Esau. But that's just what I think. I don't, I don't put much stock in what other folks think of me. Well, that's that's a good thing. You don't have to ever worry about what other people think. It's what you think of yourself. For me, I don't care what the town or the sheriff thinks about me. I value my word. And when I give it, it is going to be done. Or I die in the attempt. Your brother was in need. And even though I needed that water, I gave it to him. Because I made a promise long ago to a man that was long dead that I would help those that I could. Now, I may have strayed from that path a lot. And I may not be the best, but when I I always attempt. Well, I mean, I do appreciate you helping Esau. So, I can give you one favor. And as she says that, you feel your water skin get heavier. Like it's been refilled. And she kind of just looks off into the distance. She says, I do, I really appreciate you helping Esau. I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I don't think you're ever going to see Missouri again. And then she starts to ride off. Well, Delilah... You have still given me hope because kindness is given back kindness. She chuckles and keeps riding. And I carry on. It's maybe another two hours. The sun's beating down. It's hot. It's hotter than hell. And as you approach the wall, do you think it might actually get a little cooler? That's a mercy. But it gets worse. The land is drier here. It's dead and gray and pale. And every footfall from SJ sends up puffs of dust. You cough. And just the very color around you seems to drain away until it's almost impossible to tell the difference between the sky and the earth because it's all just gray until these massive black caskets break through the grayness of it all standing what feels like hundreds of feet above you knotted wood caskets as far as the eye can see to the left and to the right caskets as high above you as you can look and there's a small gap between two of the caskets and there's a tree and it's an old tree it's bigger than any tree you've ever seen the branches are like trees themselves Growing from it, the first sign of vegetation you've seen in years. Although it's still sickly, there are these pale green leaves that grow from the tree. 
And as you get closer, there's an old man. Older than old. Ancient. So old that he can't stand. He's propped himself against the tree. He's got a beard that falls to the ground and long white hair that falls to the ground. And his skin is the sickly gray of the sky and of the dirt. What do you do? Well, I approach said tree and say, Good day, sir. He raises his head very slowly. And you see in his eyes a sharpness. His eyes are old and wise and sharp. And they look at you like they've got your scent. Like they know your name. And the old man in a croaky voice says, Hello, Barry. I've been expecting you. Well, hello, sir. You have me at a disadvantage, which seems to be a running theme today. Um, may I get your name? I... I haven't had to use my name in some time. I think it's Adam. Adam? What a biblical name you have, sir. Yes, I suppose. Now, I gotta ask, uh, you are out in middle nowhere, hanging out with a dead tree. How are you still alive? This tree and I have been through quite a bit together. Truly. I think we are one and the same. That is slightly confusing. As I am talking, I'm looking around on the ground to see if there's just like, you know, dead wood, like branches that have just fallen off the natural course of things. He sees you looking around. He says, you've come for a you wand. That is slightly more disturbing, but less than the last place I was at. You got it in one. Um, how are, I've, how I've do you know these things? You. Uh, yeah, and there's my name and all the other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh, explanations would be appreciated. You kind of lovingly strokes the tree not in a weird way yeah. I mean I guess there's not really any way for it not to be a little bit weird not like in a druid I want to do things to this no, tree way not like a tree sexual way and he says this it's the first tree the first tree as in like ever and it is in this shithole because... It grows where it wants. The first caskets came from its branches. 
Oh. The first houses. The first apples? I suppose. I'm just I got some good hard cider right now. Don't know why that entered my head, but uh yeah, this this is um It's the first tree. Yeah. Um just kinda Can and, I get uh, get some wands out of that real quick? Just, you know bring off you. you certainly could have a wand. It'll probably do whatever you've been told it'll do. So sounds like there's a butt coming up. Isn't there always? There is a cost for everything. I will give you a wand. But there it is. I need something from you. There's a conflict coming. Mm. There always is, ain't there? In the end, there is always something happening. And it's usually some somebody is disagreeing with someone. Order, chaos, I'm right, you're wrong. You are correct. I, as you could tell, have seen better days. Seems like you've seen a few days between here and then, yes. I, I'm going to need some soldiers when the time comes. Well, that sounds uh, ominous, to say the least. I won't lie to you. It is. Granted, where I currently reside is the description of ominous, so it's not necessarily a step down. You are not wrong about that either, Barry. So, I need you to agree to be one of my soldiers. And if you do, I will give you the wand you so seek to fulfill your word. Now, you said be one of your soldiers. Mm-hmm. It's an obligation. It is. And what exactly do you fight for? I fight for the natural order of things. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Barry. If you agree to become one of my soldiers, the way the way you're going to become one of my soldiers is not the most pleasant. But I will make sure that it is quick. Now, it, the way you have hinted around that describes something terrible happening to me. Now, you might need to uh, elaborate. Paint me a picture here. You are going to have to die. Yeah, I kind of figured that was the vibe you were giving off. Uh, Why the hell would I have to die? I mean, I am in a shithole where I will die probably shortly. Again, not wrong. I 
I am death. Barry. Not like lowercase d death like you, you just yeah I go st- about dying. I stubbed my toe and got gangrene or something. I am capital D death. I When I say I am death, I mean I am death itself. But something worse than me is coming, Barry. And if we don't defeat it, everything will end. I gotta ask, does it have a name? I'm sure it does in the way that everything has a name. But I guess if you had his real name, you'd have power over it. Correct again. Well, Mr. Death. So it's up to you, Barry. You can have a U-Wand in exchange for you joining my army. Well, as I have said before, I have some obligations that need to be met. I will certainly make sure you can deliver that U-Wand and have at least a few more days. Here's the thing, Senor Death. I'm in a place where I will probably just just die. Where there's a rattlesnake in the commode of vase falling on my head and some comical means taking me out. A harpy clawing your eyes out. Yeah, there's the harpies which seem to have my number. Um, I ask you this. Because I've heard a quote that death is patient. I am not in a place where the natural order currently resides. Allow me to live out what, however many days I have left. And if you've been paying attention, you know I'm a man of my word. And that if I tell you a thing, I will do my best to get it done. I am as much as I love random chance, I do love playing by the rules. He reaches up and almost out of nowhere produces a you wand that is the strange, sickly gray of the tree bark. He holds it out to you. I reach out. To grasp it. All right, you take the yuang. As you ride your horse back through the cracked and blasted wastelands you call home, you ride into town, knowing that someday, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe a few years from now, you will die. And you will join Death's army. As you think on the last thing the old man at the pale tree said to you. None of us got long 
in this world. Not you, not me, not my siblings. And I suspect that a few of them have already been dispatched by your hands. We spent the last millennia feared, made into monsters. It was a trick, like three-card monkey. You kept your eyes on us. But remember, all will tremble when the true shepherd comes, the one set upon a yellow horse. And as the camera fades, we see Barry ride past a small wooden sign that reads, Welcome to Carcosa. Thank you for listening to You Are Not Alone. Thank you to Chris Zumsky for playing, and thank you to Marie Enger for designing such an excellent game. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join me on July 18th when I sit down with Ben Wallace to play Little Fears. Until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone. Took my